Well, I had the privilege of interviewing a person by the name of Dan Michelson. And Dan, wow, was, was such a great guy to talk to. And he is the CEO and founder of an organization called In Common. And it was really a purpose, or it's for a purpose kind of company, whereby they can take and turn culture into strategy that drives productivity by the engagement, by ensuring that people within the organization are connected. And Dan has actually just launched a new book called, and I have to work very hard, and when I'm saying this title, that I don't actually say it wrong. Here it goes. Holy Shift is the name of the book, and it's really good. It's about moving your company forward to the future of work. Now, the proceeds apparently of that book are going to Feeding America. It's an organization that helps uh, feed people within within the Americas. But I've got to say, it's just launched. If you haven't really, you know, go ahead and check it out. And, it's, and I've asked the team to put that in the show notes. If not, go to Amazon and check it out. It's a really great book. Now, Dan and I had a very good kind of discussion in the sense of around certain things. And it's around the holy shift and what we can do. Because you see, leaders, you need to do a massive shift to move you and the organization forward. And so he sort of shared three things about see the shift, shift your mindset, make shift happen. Boy, I'm working hard at that word shift. And then the other thing too is that he talked about something in relation to the core C-O-R-E. And so listeners, I'm going to highly encourage you to listen to this episode and share it with your friends in your network as well. So sit back and enjoy the interview. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey there, listeners. Welcome to another wonderful episode of the Leadership is Changing podcast. Great to have you here with us. I have a wonderful guest with me today. His name is Dan Michelson. Dan, a massive welcome to you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, me too. Now, whereabouts in the world are you today? I'm in Chicago, so I'm on the other side of the pond. Yeah, uh, the other side of the pond. So it's like you said before, two guys on, on, the other, on each side of the pond having a chat. And technology is wonderful. And speaking of technology, tell us a little bit more about your background, because I think you've been involved quite a bit with technology. Yeah, you know, so my last 20 years has been in tech, um, in probably the most, or at least arguably one of the most complicated areas of tech, which is in healthcare. As you probably know, healthcare is the largest industry in our economy, and probably the one with the most issues, <laughs> and the one that's most in need of technology. So I, I really grew up being to grow up the market. So I was very involved in putting the infrastructure and the foundation in place for electronic health records. And for the last 10 years, I've done the same thing on the financial side of healthcare, by really helping to clarify the cost of healthcare, make it easier to attack it. And I see that you are the CEO and founder of an organization called In Common. Tell us more about that organization. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. So after 20 years of health tech and really 30 years in healthcare, I decided to make a pretty big pivot so I was 10 years in at running a company, it had gone great. 
And, you know, so sort of the wind was at our backs, but I didn't feel it. So it was, I don't know, in some ways the job had lost its challenge, I would say, Dennis. The other part of it was, you know, there was something else I think I needed to do uh, that my prior job was telling me it was time to do. So our company had become one of the top rated companies in the world in terms of employee experience on Glassdoor, which is sort of the definitive standard. But, oh, yeah. but during COVID, that started to change as it did with everybody. So I really left because I wanted to attack that problem. You know, my, I guess, really high level concept here, if you want to zoom out, would be that we're going through the biggest and fastest change in the history of how we work and live. And so we're really living history right now. So the question is, is how do we make the future different than the past? And, and that's what I, le I left to go on a journey to research that, to sort of reflect on that, to share what I learned and to help create, you know, potentially a solution to that problem. Wow. I love that. And Dan, I know that you were a CEO of Strata before that was a 500 plus people, so a tech company and so forth. What I'm quite interested in to hearing what you just said there was that the wind was behind our backs, but I wasn't feeling it. And then you decided to move on to go and sort of pursue that and find that. I think there's a lot of people today who are not happy or yeah. bored or really wanting that next challenge. And what would be some of the things that you went through to sort of help you get out of where you are, to go into something else, to get that challenge, to, to do something else. What would be one or two things you might want to share with the listeners about what they should be thinking about or doing and preparing for that? Yeah, well, you know, what's maybe a little bit unique about me, I'm probably the one CEO who quit during the great resignation, right? Um, most people were trying yeah. to hold on to their jobs. I was left to find something that I felt could be, um, you know, that next challenge for me. And I tend to do, I'm a little bit of a, long distance runner, I guess. So I have a marathon type of mentality. I tend to do your things in essentially 10 year sprints or, or 10 year runs. So I was coming up on 10 years and literally 10 years to the day that I left or that I joined the company, 10 years to the day, I decided that was gonna be my last day. So here's what I would say to you. So I teach a class at a university here in Chicago called Loyola. And the class I teach is on decision strategy. So to me, you know, the way I teach this class is that the decisions you make, yeah, those are important, but it's really what you make of your decisions, right? And so I think, you know, you can be in your job and it could be great or horrible. You can move and it could be great or horrible. The X factor is you, you know, and what you make of it. And so for me personally, I'm a bit of a, you know, challenge junkie. Like I, I need to feel like I'm doing something and that's progressive in terms of my personal growth, it turns out I'm not alone. So we'll get into it when we, you know, you and I were talking about this a little bit before, when we chop it up, but there's really very consistent themes and the data all points to the same exact reasons why people leave jobs for the most part. And we can talk a little bit more about that when you want to get into it. But for me, it was really simple. I needed a new challenge, right? And I wasn't feeling the things that I really valued about my job within my job anymore. So I was really somebody who had built high growth companies or helped build high growth companies based on culture. And when I say culture, here's what I mean. The, the feeling of the people who work for the company and also the customers who we serve. Right. And in both cases, and one company grew from 50 people to 5,000 people. The other company grew from 50 people to 500 people. In both cases, these were companies where people loved to work and customers loved to work with us. And so, you know, that, is, that feeling 
in many cases, Dennis, is not there for people right now. The workplace has become very transactional and very transitional. People don't feel that pride and purpose in work. And really what I thought, you know, sort of zooming out once again, yeah, no, no, no. We don't need to think about how to bring people back, quote, to work. We need to think about how to be, bring people forward to the future. And that's really awesome. what I've been spending my time on is really taking this sort of negative narrative that's out there, which to me, when you have, when you have moments like this, they are target rich. You know, like I know your podcast is on leadership and oh my God, is it changing, right? But the one thing you always know about leadership is that crisis creates opportunity, right? And so when there's a problem, if you're a, you know, and I, I don't want to call myself a leader, <laughs> but if you feel like you're a leader, right? If anyone feels like they're a leader, boy, that's when you're like, this is my opportunity to prove it, right? Yep. And I, I think it's the thought leader, right? It's the, it's how you actually put things into place. And well, I'm taking so many notes from what you've actually just been sharing and saying, because I want to get into these questions, because I'm sure some more is going to be coming out of it. But I think a little bit later on is... I love what you said about, you know, what you make of your decision is really important, right? And I think it's so the question later on, if I haven't, don't get to it, I will, I will sort of think about it and maybe you'll go through it when we go through our questions. But it's about when is the right time for a leader to leave? Because sometimes I think they stay too long. And so, well, we'll get into that. But the question I've got here for you, Dan, is how did you actually get into leadership? Yeah, once again, I'll give it maybe a slightly different spin than most people you probably talk to. I would say the, you know, when I was growing up, I was probably the last person who somebody would have pegged to be a leader, much less a CEO. I grew up incredibly introverted and, and I had good reasons for it. I was dyslexic, so school was tough. I was a different kind of kid, so I was constantly bullied. And my father left before I turned one years old. So, I, you know, that pretty much killed my ability to trust anyone. So, but eventually I grew out of that. And over the last 30 years, I've been real, more or less on the journey. But I would say this, I've always been fascinated, even though I never thought I would be one, I was always fascinated by the topic, right? And really obsessed by it. So hundreds probably of books, hundreds of documentaries or biographies, however you want to look at those. But I didn't really get what leadership was until I did it, right? So my, my first shot mm -hmm. at a leadership role was in my late 20s. I was managing a really small team and I made really big mistakes. <laughs> and so I learned from these mistakes and, and I was interested in learning. So now I feel like I'm in a zone where I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and you know, maybe have a different flavor or different perspective on leadership than maybe some other people, I don't know. Yeah, and I think what you just said about learning from mistakes is really important for us all to do that. And what you're doing today in life and in business could be, would have been those lessons of the past, the foundations of the past, setting you up for to what you're, what you're doing today. And you probably wouldn't be doing what you're doing today without that yeah. experience. Behind. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, I know both of you and I share a common background in tech. And the one thing you learn about tech is it's iterative, you know, so you don't think about mistakes or failures. It's like all part of the process. And I think over time, you know, when you mature, you realize that it's hard when you're young, you know, to have that perspective because we grow up being evaluated and graded. So we expect to have that same type of experience when we're working. And so we really condition people in, in exactly the wrong way to transition in the work, in, into work, you know? And we have to, you know, spend some time, primarily our 20s, sort of getting over ourselves and realizing it's not about a scorecard, right? It's really about helping to help people around you and advance the business that you're in, which is obvious, but it just takes a while to kind of get that perspective down. 
No, I love it. That's really good. Now, you may have several, and uh, this person is either alive or from history. Who's your favorite leader and why? Yeah, so, you know, I kind of shared with you a little bit in advance that this might be a tough question for me to answer. <laughs> so I'm going to answer it a little bit in more of a, a general sense. So I think every leader who I admire is someone who took risk to help others. So maybe some traditional answers like a Martin Luther King or a Gandhi or Bobby Kennedy or Dalai Lama, Mother Teresa, you mentioned Nelson Mandela. I think those are all people that others would mention, but the question is why? Like, I think these are all leaders who led with passion and compassion. So that's really what I took, you know, from that experience. But if I had to say modern day leaders, I think there's two that I've really been thinking about quite a bit. One is Taylor Swift and the other is Bruce Springsteen. And, you know, so I grew up with Springsteen, so that's a pretty convenient answer. But with Taylor Swift, I think you can really see somebody who kind of went against the grain, was completely authentic, really had to break some barriers in terms of how she approached things, was very authentic to her customer or her audience, and created a tremendous amount of trust, right, which is the most important quality of any leader, the people I mentioned before, or either, you know, Springsteen or, or Swift or anybody else along that genre. Wow. Mm. I haven't actually had that one, I don't think, before. So well done. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and Bruce Springsteen, uh, yep. And I get, you know, because of growing up, same age, well, same age, that, that era, I should say. And then the other one is Taylor Swift as well. That's awesome. I like what you say about her is about trust. And I'm actually writing this down at the moment. Trust is the most important thing that we can have, right? Yeah, but the one, one, let me just add one thing to that. They've also built great businesses that have lasted mm. for decades in Springsteen cases. I think Taylor Swift's passed her first decade now with the same people, you know, as part of that team. How many leaders can say the same? Great business model, perpetual business model where people feel uh, on their team, feel like they're part of it and have been able to grow and are willing to ride the wave, you know, with that person over a long period of time. I mean... Leaders are people that other people follows, <laughs> follow, but if they follow them for, for 10 minutes or 10 days or 10 weeks, that's a lot different than 10 years, much less 20 or 30. Yeah. And that commitment, that loyalty, that willingness to be with that person. I mean, a lot of people see the Taylor Swift's, the Bruce Springsteen's on stage and they go, oh, yeah, that's the individual. But they don't always remember that there's a whole team behind them and it. there's a whole organization, as you said, a business. There's the models, there's the systems, the processes everything for them to be successful on stage. And it's like anything in life. We have to have the right people around us. Well, you know, we have there's to have often the say-do gap in Dennis from that perspective, right? So leaders say something, they do something else. That hypocrisy, you know, is, can be pretty toxic. So when you, when you talk about the delivery of their product, let's call it a performance or let's call it a song, that experience is one that people still value over a long period of time, which is not true. Or a lot of products or a lot of companies just in general, much less leaders. Uh, so that's what's so compelling about them is they do produce a product, right? That product in their case is an experience. And that experience needs to grow and mature over time. You know, the one thing that's really compelling about Springsteen, you know, is he's grown as his audience has grown, right? So every album is not the same. And, you know, it's taken a little bit of, taken a lot of guts for him to do that. And it hasn't always worked out well. But that's what great leaders do, right? They're willing to take risks and they're willing to ride it out and learn. So 
willing to take risk and learn. Okay, so I'm going to ask the next question now because you've given me a few leaders, but I'm going to choose, or you choose actually, between Bruce or Taylor. You choose which one. If you were sitting on a park bench having a coffee with one of them, or maybe even both of them at the same time, what would be one question that Dan would like to ask them? Yeah, I wouldn't talk to Springsteen because you don't want to meet your idols. So let's go with Taylor Swift. And I know exactly what I would ask her. Like, can you unpack your business model for me? I want to hear all about it. I I think she's a genius because she has helped reinvent the music industry. You know, she, and some people know this, others maybe not, but she really took on Spotify and, you know, was able to help change the model for all artists because of the stand that she took against Spotify. She you know, really felt that in a pretty deep and tough battle that she deserved, you know, the rights to her music, which she didn't have. So she re-recorded all of those songs and all of those albums and monetized it in a way that others wouldn't have even imagined. So she, you know, created a different way of monetization that nobody had never even looked at. So, you know, I think often we look to the wrong people as business role models, and I'll leave it at that. And if we can open our eyes or broaden our perspective a little bit more, we might see that some of the best leaders are hiding in plain sight. Uh, we just don't see them. Yeah, cool. Or we okay. don't see them that way. Excellent. Yeah. No, we don't see them that way. And then sometimes we dismiss that because, or we're just oblivious to it. Because, and then we actually miss that opportunity, which is sitting right there in front of you. Yeah. Mm. Now, the show is called Leadership is Changing. When I say that title or that statement, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is what got us here won't get us there. You know, there's no question that whether leadership is changing or not, it needs to. And, you know, sort of in our opening, what we talked about a little bit is that we're going through the single biggest and fastest change in how we work and live in human history, right? And because of that, and because of the chaos, because of the confusion, because of the conflict, there's a lot of opportunity for character to emerge and leaders to emerge. And You know, I would just say this, I just think this is probably the most confusing time any of us have ever lived through. So because of that, it's the opportunity of a lifetime for leaders to lead, right? And so when the the book I wrote, I referenced it before, Holy Shift, Moving Your Company Forward to the Future of Work, is really about three basic things that all involve leadership. One is to see the shift, you know, so when things change, you have to see that change and understand it first. Two is you have to shift your mindset. So in order to solve a problem, you need to think about it differently. And lastly, you got to make shift happen. And just so everybody knows, I'm saying S-H-I-F-T, shift happen. You got you to move things forward. Leaders are action figures, right? They're not passive figures. They are action figures. You know, so that's the judgment right now is are you moving things forward or not? Or are you trying to pull things back? And so I do think this is a very easy time to evaluate leaders because <laughs> you could see how they're attacking the moment. And I think if you don't do those three things, you're going to end up in a deep shift, is what I want to say. <laughs> well, I, and what do I mean by that is because the longer you leave it or you don't actually address it, it's going to be harder. And that's why it's going to be deeper. And that's why it's going to be really important. So I think, I think it's a great, nice play on the word with shift and that. I, I think it's really good. But So there you go, listeners, see the shift, shift your mindset, and then make shift happen. And I think there are three very simple, but very powerful sort of statements or things to think about. And it's all action 
oriented. Well, yeah, so de- and to just deconstruct this, Dennis, sorry, for just one second, uh, the book is basically a playbook. So in each of those sections, there's five or six big ideas. And with each of those ideas, there's five actions that you can take right now with your team to drive change, right? So mm-hmm. anybody who's at the board of directors for a company or the leadership team or in the management team or literally anyone who's trying to change or improve their lot in life or in their career can pick up this book and say, hey, here's some things I can do to help make progress. Excellent. So the book is Holly Shift, Moving Your Company Forward to the Future of Work. So listeners, if you haven't already checked it out, go ahead and check that book out. It's awesome. You know how you're just talking about change, we're talking about leadership is changing and the change, there's, there's change cycles that we all go through in life and in business and so forth. And I'm going to go back to the question I was going to ask you earlier on. Do you think that there is a time or is it, whether there's a time limit or is there a period or is there some sort of thing whereby leaders should move on? In other words, do they sometimes stay in a role or in an organization too long? Oh, 100%, right? You can just tell. Honestly, I think it's pretty obvious <laughs> to everybody, maybe except the leader yeah. at, at times. But, you know, I think some people run their entire career out of fear. And insecurity, let's just be honest, runs through everybody. We're all kind of wondering if we can be better than we were yesterday. So once you have that level of self-awareness, you at least have the opportunity to potentially meet her, you know, when it's time to leave. But if you don't, then you won't. So you can see lots of cases where leaders were not able to scale as their company did, right? They were managing a team of 5,000 people, just like they managed a team of 50 people. And you can see leaders who have toxic behaviors, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. So they're do as I say, and, you know, really aren't collaborative, you know, in nature because of that wall they're putting up in front of them. So I think there's different characteristics, there's different circumstances, and there's certainly different careers, right? I mean, we all look at things differently. And so you can't really put a timestamp on it because, you know, quite frankly, Dennis, Someone might be completely worn out after five years and someone else might be totally energized, right? So for me, I quit my job literally every year of my career. So on January 1st, I started a new job in my mind. And I had this saying that actually is on my wall here because they, it was such a big part of my life that they put it in a frame and gave it to me on my last day of my last job. But the saying is X marks the spot, the rest of your life begins today. And so we are often burdened by our accomplishments of the past and also, you know, our failures, right? Uh, Whether those are personal or professional, we tend to carry whatever happened yesterday into today and tomorrow, right? The inertia of life is very, very, very real. So unless you can refresh, you're obviously, you know, especially in a CEO type role or leadership type role, no question you're going to get worn out. And, you know, so we all need to kind of recognize that that happens as part of it and find ways to refresh or we need to move on. Dan, I was in Australia recently with a few other speakers and the speaker on stage after myself. So I was on stage and then this person came on stage. Their theme of their keynote was X marks the spot. Wow, pretty interesting. And that was two weeks ago. And now you're talking about it here in one of the quotes on your on your wall. But I think it's, a, it's an awesome one. X marks the spot. And I think the rest of it was, the rest of your life begins today. Is that correct? Yep. 
It, it is because, you know, I mean, listen, the last few years have left us with a isolation and mental health pandemic. And, you know, so let's be real. <laughs> this is a hard time for a lot of people and they're still trying to find their way. So the question is, is how do you stop that inertia of that moment and move forward? That's not easy, you know, and so a lot of people need a lot of help. You know, and that's where leaders can lead. And obviously that's not the solution for everybody, right? But it can be part of, you know, making work better because I think we have to realize the level of our responsibility as leaders because the impact that we have on people from a mental health perspective is massive. So a study recently came out and it basically said that uh, your manager has as much of an impact on your mental health as your significant other and more so than any therapist that you might have. So this is very real and it's a real responsibility and a real opportunity and, you know, a real gift, you know, to have that opportunity, to have that impact on other people that you got to open up and take advantage of. It is massive, as you say, it's huge in the sense that, and I say this to a lot of leaders at times, is that what we say and what we do has massive impact on people. And we may not see it today. It might be, and you may have had this happen to you, Dan, and I've had it happen to me as well. Two years, three years down the track, someone's come up to you and gone, you know what, you said this to me and that's really helped me propel or change my life or did this for me. And I've heard others, you know, where people said my leader did this to me or say, said this to me and it was the hardest part of my whole career. So we've got to be careful. And as you said, it is a responsibility, right? I think it's a responsibility and obligation. It's something that we have been given as a gift to lead people. So there you go, listeners, use it wisely and use it in a way. We're not saying don't be you. You need to be you. It's just understand that responsibility that you have in your hands today. And if you don't want to do it, that's no problem either. Just tell us or tell somebody and then let somebody else take over and you can go and do what you love doing. And I think it's really important that we understand that. Now, you and I are living in a world that seems to be getting faster, fast-paced, ever-changing world. Well, what makes a leader successful in that kind of world today? Yeah, I heard a quote, and so I'm not, I don't want to take credit for this, but the quote was basically, leaders make people and situations better. So it's not like people try to define a leader or these are the characteristics of a leader and yada, yada, yada. But if you say what makes a leader successful today or any day, it's that they're making people in situations better. I, I just find that to be the best and most clarifying definition I've ever heard. And I do think right now we have a little bit of a gap in their ability to do that because I think the one thing that's missing is the thing that's most important, which is trust, right? Mm -hmm. And I think you probably have heard this before, but you know, if you were to take the 40,000 clinical papers on trust, right, from all the disciplines and you were to put them into a blender and pour it out and you would say, okay, fine, what is trust, right? What actually is it? And it turns out trust is something you give. It's not something you get. And so when you think of, you know, Dennis, if you were to think of every great teacher you ever had, every great coach you ever had, every great manager ever had, or every great leader you've ever been around, and you've been around a lot of them, the one thing that they have in common, the one common characteristic is they build trust. That's it. So if you're really going to be successful and you want people and you want to move fast because you're saying we're in a fast-paced world, that's true. But in order to be successful, you got to move fast then. <laughs> yes. That would yep. make, that'd be a pretty simple uh, conclusion. 
Well, you're not going to get that if you can't get people to follow and they're not going to follow unless they trust you, period. Yep. Yeah, period. Yep. Nice. Nice way of saying it. And I think we saw that in the pandemic and when what we saw here, Dan, in this part of the world and actually saw it in other countries when I was speaking with leaders on the podcast and other areas in my business was that those organizations who had a strong foundation of trust were able to adapt and move forward quickly. Those who didn't struggled and either went under as a business or they took a while for it to, to, to come right. And so that whole foundation that you just talked about of trust is really, really important. And as you said, period, that's it. That's as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you and I have been talking about leadership and so forth. If you and I were to change lenses now and think it through the lens of an employee, because even as a CEO, you were an employee, you had a board to report to and so forth. How has employees' expectations of leaders changed? I'll use the word again. It's a massive shift. <laughs> so it's some of what we already talked about. So, you know, people expect passion and compassion. You know, the one saying I've heard quite a bit, you know, in describing this is, you know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I, I think that's very much true. Uh, that's not something all leaders are great at, you know? So finding someone who's authentic and relatable from a leadership perspective is super important from an employee perspective. It doesn't mean that all leaders have that. It doesn't mean that every company is going to function that way. But if you wanted to have a culture of trust and you wanted to have people who wake up in the morning and can't wait to get to work, right? Which we just did research on this, touching every corner of this country in the United States uh, across 15 different industrial sectors. One out of every 10 people is excited to get out of bed and go to work in the morning. One out of 10. One out of 10. You know, and when you ask people, and we started talking about this a little bit before, like what do people expect out of a company, their experience at a company? You know, we were referencing the model that I was discussing earlier. So what's my epiphany? <laughs> and, you know, that's come out of the research and work that I've done over the last year, much less the last 20 years. It turns out that in our research and McKinsey's research and Gallup's research, and all the other research out there in using common sense. So you take the data and you take common sense and you say, okay, what is it really that people expect out of a company or a leader? They expect really four things. And I call them core because it's an acronym. The C is community. So they, they want to feel a sense of belonging. Two is opportunities. They want to feel like they have a future and be excited about it. Three is relationships. They want to have trusting, not toxic relationships. And then the last one is experiences. They want to have tangible experiences that are helping them grow. So community, opportunity, relationships, and experiences. Now, if you were to, okay, let's take a cynical view. Why do those things really matter? Well, it turns out that if you look at the three things that leaders care the most about when it comes to employees, I want them to be productive. I want them to be engaged and I want them to stay, right? So if you just look at those three things, the four things I just mentioned, core, are exactly what correlates to those three things, right? Yep. So it's incredibly strategic. So I do think that the safe bet is that during COVID, like you used to hear the saying, culture eats strategy for breakfast by the management guru, Peter Drucker. You probably have heard mm -hmm. that before. Yep. Well, during COVID, it ate it for lunch and dinner too, you know? And so people feel very differently about working in a company now. And so why is someone really still on that bandwagon with Taylor Swift? Why are they still on that same bandwagon with Bruce Springsteen 40 years after I first listened to him play? 
it's because they're great communicators. <laughs> they are great and compassionate communicators who have their audience in mind. And so leaders can set the table, which is what CORE does, but then they have to communicate it and make sure that people connect with them on a individual level and they can build that trust. So it comes down to everything we've been talking about. Yeah. And Dan, you've just actually said the words because the way I say it as well is that, you know, like communicating, being great communicators is one thing, but connecting is is really important. And I think you've just mentioned that, but I love the core aspect, community, opportunity, relationships, experiences, because people do want you to be productive. They do want you to be engaged and they do want you to, the retention side of things, they do want you to stay, right? Definitely want you to stay as well. But once again, there it is. It's going to come back out this word again with these words. It's a massive shift. It's about thinking about that change and, and where we're going as well, which is fantastic to know. But that's just blowing me away. One out of 10 are excited. That means nine out of 10 are ecstatic to go to work. No, it doesn't. It means one out of 10 are excited. So what's actually going on in the mind of people as they get up in the morning, as they go to work? What's actually going on for them? It's really, really interesting to think about. Yeah, I think it's, you know, once again, I'm going to paint this positive. I think it's a great opportunity because I think all of us, and I can tell by talking to you, we want to feel pride and purpose in our work. It's mm -hmm. unbelievably important. So one of the stories I tell in the book, it's very personal. When my, I said that my father left our family, but my mom luckily got remarried to a, a nut and bolt and screw salesman from Fort Wayne, Indiana. And I was legally adopted by the time I entered fourth grade, changed my name, went through the whole process. And he ended up, you know, although we didn't get along uh, until I <laughs> got over myself and was in my 20s, once we did, he ended up being the best man in my wedding. So we formed this great and really wonderful relationship. But when he was in hospice, when he was in the last few weeks of his life, he asked to, uh, this won't be too sad of a story, I promise. He asked to have his printer brought to the hospice. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me for what? He wanted to be able to process invoices. Now, my dad had long since stopped working for the most part, but he had a few customers that he still worked for. He was basically a distributor, worked in distribution. And so I'm like, sure, happy to do it. And so I brought it in. I turned to the nurse. I'm like, how many people have ever walked into this hospice with a printer? She's like, I got to say, I think you're the first. In fact, I know you're the first. The point was my dad wasn't obsessed with work. It didn't dominate anything. If you asked my dad what he did for a living, you would never know. He was always the last person to speak in a room. But I would say this, he felt a sense of purpose that came from helping people, doing work that matters, you know, having something that he was proud of, and up until the day that he died. And I think it's a great lesson for all of us because you can't ignore that. You know, when, when you're not happy, there is no such thing anymore as a home life and a work life. You have one life, Right. So I'm, I, you know, the concept that I talk about in the book is we've gone from what used to be called workflow, where everything revolves around our work, to now life flow, where it's all literally integrated together. And this is really the first time in human history that work is no longer defined by time or place for half the people on this planet. Mm -hmm. So you can work anytime, anywhere. My daughter just graduated from college. Actually, she did very well. I won't say exceptionally well, because I'm not trying to brag here, but she, I am proud of her. She did do really well. I don't think she ever entered the library because you don't need to. You can do work anywhere at any time. And so that's not true for every job. It's certainly not true for everything you're going to learn in your life, but it is true for a lot of things. So that kind of flexibility and, you know, it's a very real shift, you know, that's taken place. And as is this idea of life flow, 
And that's really, you know, that nets out, you know, how employee expectations have changed. They expect something that's much more flexible and flows with their life. And if you can hit those marks, you can work without it. But if you hit those marks, you're going to have incredibly engaged and happy employees. Yeah, I love it. That's wonderful. Thanks for sharing that because I think it's a great story. And also it's a really, really interesting way of, of actually understanding that we need to have a sense of purpose. But as you said, if we can hit all the marks or help them hit the marks, then they're going to come along and be heavily engaged, which is going to be really important. Now, Dan, if I was to get you to get your crystal ball out now and think about the future, where do you see leadership being in five years? I love where it's heading. Actually, I do. I mean, you know, the, the obvious trend is there's more women leaders now. There's more diverse uh, leaders and, you know, across every dimension, not enough, but we're making progress. And so I do think that's a great trend and it's going to continue. And then relative to expectations, we just covered that. So I won't, I won't go over that again, but I do think expectations of leaders are changing significantly. Mm -hmm. And I think you're going to continue this trend of this expectation of leaders that they are people. They're not on a pedestal. So there's a great analog from a book by Max Dupree. He wrote a book called Leadership Jazz. And he, the analog is basically leadership used to be more like an orchestra. I get up on a platform in front of it. Everybody, I'm above everybody, right? Here's your script. You follow it. If you mess up, let's say, I will call that out and we'll, we'll know. And at the very end, I will turn around and I'll bow and take all the credit and then pretend like I'm giving you some. As opposed to modern leadership, which I think is better analog as jazz, where there's, you know, everyone's playing a different instrument and the leader can't play the instruments better than anybody else there. And he's not or she's not expecting the person who's playing the saxophone to play the drums or the person who's playing the drums to play the trumpet. And while they're the leader, they're also playing an instrument. They don't just stand there. They're actually participating. And 99% of the time, they're actually side stage or behind the others. You wouldn't even know who's leading, right? And if somebody, when they're improvising, which is part of jazz, if somebody's improvising and they go a little bit off course, they'll just play a few notes to try to bring them back in. And so you don't know exactly where you're going and you don't know exactly how you're going to get there. But there's trust amongst that group that they're following a process and they'll make progress based on that. And that, you know, the art of leadership is more important than the science of it, you know, from that perspective. So I think that's how I would look at where leadership is heading. And if not, it needs to head. Yeah, it's a, for beautiful, sure. a beautiful example. And, you know, if they're all on the same hymn page and they're all playing together really well and doing all their bits really well, it's great. And if one person doesn't, it really stands out. And, the music doesn't sound right. Something's not right. But when it's performing beautifully, it's world-class. It's just brilliant. And I love it. Dan, hey, it's been a real pleasure talking with you today. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where, where can they go? Yeah, so two places. Uh, the first one is theholyshiftbook.com. So theholyshiftbook.com. And the other one is incommon.com. So I-N-C-O-M-M-O-N.com. That's the name of the company and where it's located. Excellent. We'll put those in the show notes, listeners, so check that out. But Dan, once again, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, no, it's fun chopping it up. Thanks, Dennis. Excellent. Well, there you go. Are you going to make your shift, leaders, and move forward and see the shift and shift your mindset, then make shift happen? It's totally up to you. But remember, the core of your body 
is really what helps your body move forward in a really good way. So are you going to develop your core based on what Dan was talking about today? Hey, listeners, it's always great to be with you. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 